Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build a business that makes you money. For exclusive offers, bonus content, and weekly episode reminders, join our mailing list at winningwithshopify.com. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anybody who hasn't tuned in before, my name's Nick, been running the podcast since June last year. And for anyone that's been listening regularly but hasn't heard the last few weeks, I hope you enjoyed our new jingle at the beginning. I'm making far too much of a big thing about this, but it, I absolutely love it. I think the music is much more bouncy and it's much more us. So uh, yes, if this is your first time as well listening in, then you are very, very welcome. Welcome to the show. If you want to check out a few more resources, feel free to go onto Facebook and check out Winning with Shopify. It's a group. You need to send a quick request in and fill out a couple of bit details, etc. And then I'll approve and let you guys in. We're trying to have more discussions and stuff on there as well. So if anyone who's already on the group or anybody who does join the group wants to ask a question, go on there and feel free to ask away. I keep quite a close eye on it, as do my team. And there's loads of other, I think something like several thousand people on there now. So tons of people answering questions. And we want to create more of a discussion. It's there as a resource. So feel free to go and use that. You can also check out winningwithshopify.com which is our funky new website. We've got lots more to add to it, but it is there. And most importantly, there's a form on there. So my quick request before we dive in and introduce today's guest and go into today's uh, content, just a really quick request from me. If you guys could go on there and just send us a really short, sharp message, just basically saying, hey, love the show, etc. I would love to hear more about this because we want to hear from you guys. We don't run this podcast to promote our own products or to just purely make ourselves look good or even just to have a good time. All of those are sort of secondary. The main part of this podcast is to give you guys as much value as possible. So if you're struggling with something or there's a particular type of guest you would like to get on or a question you've got or a particular channel or problem with Shopify, please do go on there, send us a quick message through that form. I've got an enormous network of guests that I can call on at any time to come and be on the show. We've also got lots of sponsors and plenty of other different people out there that we can bring in. So if you want to recommend an episode, I will do my absolute best to get as many experts on the show as as possible. And if you're happy for us to mention your name and your store as well, then please put that in the message. We'd love to flag anybody that sent us some ideas and that sort of thing. Anyway, on to today's content. Today, I've got a very special guest and we're doing a bonus episode, which is going to be a little bit different to what we've been doing the last few weeks. And a quick apology from me. We've missed a couple of weeks recently, purely because I've had a bit of a, a bit of a headless chicken uh, scenario with some of our guests. So apologies that we haven't posted every single week. We are still planning to. But today we're taking a break from our series on nailing it for your customers. And we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Uh, We had an opportunity to bring a very special guest on from a very interesting company to talk about something a little bit different. So we're going to be talking about data analysis for your business. And what we mean by that is how we can help you guys with some tools and some data in real time at your fingertips to keep an eye on what's going on within your business at all times and more specifically within Shopify as well. So you can see some of the bits that are going on in real time in the back of your store and a little bit better than Shopify's own default uh, dashboards, which I'm sure we will cover in a lot of detail today. I've got a very special guest. 
Her name is Yasmin and she's from a company called Peel. So without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. It was great to have you with us. And just before we dive in and start talking about uh, all the different parts about Peel and dashboards and the sort of data people need to be looking at regularly, do you want to just give us a very quick overview to both yourself and your role at Peel and also about Peel? What do you guys do and, and how does it all fit together? Sure. So I'll start with Peel. Um, Peel is an automated analysis tool for brands on the Shopify platform. So what the software that we are building does is you just make a connection and then Peel just gives you all the reports that you need to know um, across all of your different segments. So we make it super easy. Instead of you or having to spend hours in a spreadsheet trying to compute all these different analyses that you need to find growth opportunities, Peel automatically does that and shows you some of the most important stuff through a bunch of different features that we have. And about me is I used to work in, well, I work in tech now, but my background was in product. And as anybody in the 21st century, you use data all the time. And so it was like, why is this so tedious? I'm not super technical. I can't always write SQL or do all the joins correctly without making mistakes. And why am I spending all of my hours in spreadsheets downloading tons and tons of data from different sources to put things together? How do we make this easy for people? And so that's the opportunity that we tackle with Peel. You've hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the spreadsheets. Uh, I love a spreadsheet as much as the next person and probably spend far too much of my life doing integrations with Google Sheets, Google Analytics into Google Sheets, all those great funky plugins and add-ons. But I think certainly... As you kind of alluded to, we'll probably cover this more as we go through, having a system that's done all of that integration for you and just for a few dollars a month, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And I love spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are great. But then when you start really building complicated analysis and detailed stuff, and there's so many different ways to slice your data, especially you know as a Shopify brand across all the different attributes that a customer possesses, it just becomes loads and loads of work. And time is everybody's greatest resource. So that's where we're, you know, the sphere that we're playing in. But I still love my own Google Sheets and finding different apps and building things together. But for data analysis overall, I'd like it to be done for me so I could read it and make decisions and build really cool campaigns and things from it than spending hours just like downloading the data. Yeah, nice, nice. So let, let's start with the basic part then of Peel. So off the back of what you just said about, you know, the data analysis is done for you, you can just make the decision. What are some of the most popular or examples of reports that Shopify store owners would, or, or, or more importantly, should be running on a regular basis? You know, we all spend tons of money to acquire our customers, but we want them to keep coming back to spend more and become loyal to our brand. So understanding the repurchase rate, the retention behaviors, um, the number of orders per customers, and essentially overall, you know, the lifetime value of a customer, those are super important metrics. And that's what Peel does. Like we tell you exactly what you need to know without you having to download or compute the analysis yourself. But most importantly, it's across looking at the behaviors. Okay, so now we tell you what the repurchase rate is, or you know what the repurchase rate is for your customers within three months. What is it? What are the attributes? What product did they buy? What discount code did they come in on? Where are they buying from? Are they tagged in a certain way because they're part of a loyalty program or from an SMS campaign? All those different attributes are ways that brands can then find other growth opportunities and build a playbook. So that's the type of analysis that is like super powerful and can give you tons of ways to build growth opportunities and be like, okay, these are the customers we want. These are the, they, they come back, they spend a lot of money, they purchase again. Let's, how do we get more of them? And how do we continue to engage them and keep them happy and loyal to our brand? 
I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head with some of those examples as well. I think they're certainly the example of if you were running a campaign, you know, right now in real time, like if you just suddenly turned on a huge kind of flash sale, pushed it out through some adverts or SMS or email or something, having the ability to watch in real time, all those users then hitting the website, I think is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, so we're doing that. Now, did that work? Because we're, we're trying it. And everybody, you know, everything's an experiment. We're all doing different things to grow the business. So using data to drive those experiments instead of just hunches is especially important. So then you look back, okay, then you can look back three months later and be like, okay, did that strategy work? How do we repeat this again for this next type of promotion? Or what? how do we build our Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotion based off of all these other things that we've done in the past? What are the best ways to do this without spending loads of money and, and killing our logistics? That's the way you should look at data and analyze it to build campaigns and ideas for the next thing. And that's what's very interesting, sort of that loop in behavior. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as I say, I I still find real time absolutely staggering. There are so many platforms out there where, I mean, even Google Analytics, for example, the real time part of Google Analytics is so clunky. And then even, I mean, if you look in, Shopify is a bit better because obviously as soon as you've got an order, it's in your order section. Hopefully you're not doing them all manually. Hopefully there's some sort of system at the back that then takes that order, tells the warehouse, product goes out, etc. But as I say, it's, it still staggers me that real-time data is not more readily available. And I think most importantly, what, what do you do with some of that data? And Black Friday is a, a really, really good example of the real-time side of stuff where Actually, what you might have on Black Friday is you might have 10 different mail outs or text message campaigns and you sort of send the first two or three out and then you pause and wait a couple of hours. Have we had enough revenue from this? If yes, if we're starting to sell out of product, we don't want to send the the next ones out. You know, we're just going to kind of keep sending them throughout Black Friday or over cyber weekends in stages until we've hit our revenue target. We've got low enough on stock that we don't want to get any lower over this weekend. Um, therefore, we're not oversubscribing. We're not annoying customers by saying, we've just discounted this product. Mm-hmm. And then they click on it and it's gone, which equally is a problem. Or we had a guest on a few weeks ago actually talking about what happens if somebody orders a product and the product's already out of stock in the warehouse, but your website doesn't say that. Then you've got that whole nightmare of trying to be, you know, in bulk for all customers, explain that it's not here, explain it's not going to arrive without just getting horrifically bad reviews from the customer. So I think data is so important for this. Yeah, and, and with that, you so you could identify those customers in all those different campaigns or a few different attributes. Um, and so you can use Shopify to tag them. And then you can then follow those customers throughout their lifetime value. So, okay, those customers that they had, they bought a product that said out of stock or they're on a wait list for it. How do you re-engage them to get them to come back and buy more or send them email or SMS things of complimentary products? And doing those experiments, but watching that cohort of customers with those specific behaviors and seeing how the the things that you are trying increases repurchase rate sort of helps you plan, okay, this is working, this doesn't work. We can apply this to future things. And and that's a lot of how you can use PL2. Nice, nice. Let's, Let's talk about kind of early stage stores then, like a sort of startup stores. I always feel like there's this, just a little bit of context, there's always this disconnect, isn't there? Where the little stores are thinking, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to compete with Amazon and all the big boys? Mm-hmm. And then there's all these big, enormous stores, and we work, we work with both, so we see, see it from both sides. And the big guys are like, oh my gosh, what, it's 10 years ago that we were the only one in the market, or there were only three or four of us. Now there's more like three or four hundred in the market. With the data, let's talk about early stage kind of startups, small and I use the word nimble and niche. 
small little nimble and niche stores, how can they leverage some data from Peel to make changes or do things with an advantage over the bigger stores? Well, it's all about the customers. So you, you acquire your customers and you create a connection to them and understanding what the data is, what, who's coming in, what they're buying, what campaigns they're coming in on, and you're developing a relationship with them. And then your communications with them over time to get them to come back and buy more, it's just developing sort of, you're developing your brand as you're growing. So I think it's just about the brand response. Like these bigger Shopify stores, they've created wonder, they've created really attractive brands that people identify with. And the nimble new to market stores have the opportunity to do that with their first customers and build their reputation. Also with their customer service and being responsive and getting reviews and doing all those things increases the value that their current customers have that helps propel their brand towards the bigger guys. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the interesting things that we've come come up against when we've had the conversation I just mentioned from small brands being like, oh my gosh, they've got all the best SEO in the world and they've got a whole team of people working on it. The advantage that the smaller guys have, and I think this is where your data really comes in as well, and you, you kind of touched on this anyway, you could analyze, if the business is small enough, you can analyze individual customers, especially if it's like, you know, if it's a customer that spends a lot of money with you on a regular basis, you can justify even putting some time behind your top 100, 200, 500 customers and doing something very, very specific for those guys, you know, giving them like a massive reward or giving them exclusive access to new products and all this sort of stuff. But again, you need the data to be able to justify doing that in the first place. So I completely agree. I think there are some really significant opportunities for small companies. So let's talk about the bigger companies as well. So when you've got a bigger company using your platform, what are some of the things you find? Or I guess a good question to start with is, what are some of the reasons they come to you guys to use your tech in the first place? Just the amount of data that they have. Well, there's lots of things. Like all brands, they have they have a lot of interesting data about their clients uh, or their, their customers, I mean, and they the reports are so valuable to them because they're spending money to acquire these customers and they want to know who are these people that are coming back and buying again? What is the lifetime value of the customers who bought this product versus that product? Specific discount clothes, all of those types of things are why people come to us. Also, even though there's a large team, everybody in the team needs data to sort of drive their decision-making and their to-do list. Everyone can feel empowered by having the data and playing with it and, you know, digging into some of the segmentation to make decisions to drive their specific projects, regardless if they're a huge company or a smaller company. I think it's just everybody, you know, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So it's just like, how do we save time? And having the data already analyzed for you and just you can look at it and make decisions really helps a brand, regardless of their size. One thing about small businesses that you mentioned that's interesting, and one thing we've heard is... A lot of people like to be a part of the building process. So we've heard that from um, some brands that they really engage their customers to come up with new product and give input on product. And they create these different loyalty groups to engage their customer base on the product development of what they're going to release next. And that builds a huge brand story, number one. But then, and that also helps increase the loyalty and repurchase behavior of those clients. And that's also a huge differentiator, complementary big guy product in the space too. It's like the customers are part of the D to C building journey, which, you know, everybody's sort of into. So that's pretty cool. I think it's, it's certainly interesting to come up with the concept of using customers to help you build the right kind of product, modify your product, change your product, even price your product and get all of that right. And then being able to have the, the data at your fingertips to go, we've launched that new product. 
How much is it sold? Who's buying it? What channels are they coming from? And then you can start to understand, did our, so for example, if it came from existing customers, it's quite useful to know if your existing customers that help you build it are the ones buying it, or whether they sort of bought the product, they're not interested in buying another one, but the feedback was really useful and it's now new customers that those products are attracting. Because again, then those insights will absolutely determine whether you build more products like that or whether this becomes a special lifetime product, et cetera. And yeah, exactly. And on a cohort analysis chart, you see that. So horizontally, when you look at a chart, you see, you know, the time of the month, the time of the year. So whether it's like November or March or whatnot. But then if you look diagonally, you really can see also, you know, the time of the year too. But then if it's the repurchasing behavior of previous cohorts who are engaged in the process. And that's really exciting. It's like, oh, those people bought months ago, but they're coming back because they're really excited about X, Y, and Z. Or maybe they're part of this special Facebook group that gave all the feedback a part of this, or they're referring friends. And you can see those behaviors. And that sort of helps you build your brand story as well. We had a great guest who's also one of our friends and clients who he runs his own little bakery. And they, they're called Deliciously Guilt Free. And so anyone who's listening, thinking like, oh my gosh, how do I do this customer feedback bit? I highly recommend going back. I think it was only the second episode this year. So literally sort of second or third week of January. And then we also had him on, I think it was two or three weeks ago. So you go back and check. But he's got some really good examples we covered on both of those episodes about how he engages with his customers. And it's everything from running Facebook group polls to actually running physical focus groups where he gets his <laughs> cool. clients in that were customers in the room and sits them down and right, try this and then try this, then try this, which one was most delicious. And all of his recipes have actually come off the back of talking to customers and even asking them some slightly strategic questions of if we baked this kind of brownie, would you buy it? And people say, oh my gosh, I would absolutely subscribe to that flavor. That sounds amazing. So he then goes away and makes that flavor taste good, works out all the ingredients, et cetera, produces it, sends it out to those guys as a freebie, and then they all go and subscribe. That sounds so fun. I'd love to be a part of that group. It you is. Know, you, it, it's fun <laughs> to be a part of the building process. You know, you, you're part of it. It's nice. It's a community in a way. So it's neat. Yeah, exactly. And it, it actually makes it so much more fun for both the business and the customers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you think about some of your favorite places to go, I'm quite an extrovert. It's partly why I run a podcast. I'm a people person. Um, I know so many people in my local area from my local cafe, my local barber. I even know the guys in the local petrol station now. I have to admit the local kebab shop know me by face. But it's some people have mentioned, like some of my close friends have mentioned, you just seem to know everyone. And I'm kind of like, well, I just enjoy speaking with them. And actually quite a few of those shops have made changes because when I've been, go- like the bakery up the road from me as well, I go there on Saturday mornings once a week. And as soon as I walk in, he starts muttering to himself about how bad Chelsea Football Club are because he's a Tottenham fan and I support Chelsea. And I've never mentioned that on the podcast, so I hope I don't lose half my subscriber base. <laughs> We're very territorial here in the UK. But yeah, it's, it's that whole point. And it's, you're doing that in almost in like a digital way of asking customers about stuff. Yeah, it's the whole, like, I want to be a regular out of a shop. And then you're doing it in the digital format, which people love. Yeah. Every, I think also introverts might like that too, because it's digital and you might not have to show up, but you're online and engaging with it too. So that's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I hadn't actually thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think at the same time, having that data to then support the decision is so important. I've not been in a single meeting for three or four years now at work where we haven't had some sort of numbers around. And it, I think it's always, it's always useful as well when somebody says, oh, well, you know, our most popular product to be able to then be that guy in the room who then goes, actually, is it? Because I'm looking on here 
yes, we sell more of them, but actually if you include X, Y, Z, this is a much more popular product. Less people will find it and look at it, but wait, like the conversion rate on this product is phenomenal. We just don't promote it enough because our margins aren't very good on it. And it, it completely changes the conversation and then means a, well, let's change the margin on it. It's so popular. We have to find a cheaper way of manufacturing it or a more profitable way of selling it. And if it's that popular, we could pump the price up or something and sell that. And I think, as you say, having that data available is, is just step one of a whole you know, line of dominoes uh, with a domino effect of just, we then do this, we do this, we do this, and we make more money. Yeah. And I think I try not to shy away too much in the podcast as well from, you know, we are all here to make money. None of us set up in business purely just, I mean, it, it's not all about the money, but not, not one of us would have set up in business to become bankrupt. Yeah, everyone wants to grow, right? There's nothing, there's no shame in that. But yes, exactly. The meeting conversation becomes more about we're all looking at the data together because we all have access to it and we're digging into it. And it's very easy uh, visually to see what it means. And that's also part of our premise is to make this beautifully designed and easy for people to understand because we've all looked at, you know, PowerPoint charts or charts where they're so, they look cool, but it's like, wait, what does this actually mean? Like, I can't, I need a voiceover for it. And so the conversation is more about what do we do versus, oh, how do we compute these numbers? Next meeting, I need XYZ reports. It's all here. So now let's think of all the strategies that we can run with starting today to make some tweaks. And that's what's exciting. Definitely, definitely. And bringing it back to the data for a sec, and I know the answer to this. So if you give us some context on this, it'd be great. How important is it to make the data presentable? Very I think it is. Well, yeah, correct. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Good. I don't know if that was a trick question. I think, think about it. It's like when we were in, you know, in elementary school or grammar school or however they call it in the UK. Primary, um, we call it. Primary, primary school, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, you know, it's like a textbook. It's like breaking it down. How do we make this accessible mm. for people? Yeah, yeah. Instead of it just being that one person in the office who always computes our numbers and we go to them to get the answers. We all should have access to it because we all are making decisions to impact the growth of the business. Um, so it should be accessible, easy to read, beautifully designed, that it's not like something that's you know shoved into the corner that we just go to that you know, two or three people that do it. We all can do it. And that's why we want to make it accessible and easy to understand so people can make decisions from it. Definitely. One of the reasons, I mean, yeah, I, I, I completely teed you up for a nice big yes. It's very important. It's, it's more, yeah, the question was more a case of, well, what are some of the things to make data presentable? And I, I love your example of, you know, kind of infant school, primary school, you know, whatever we call it. But I think being able to understand stuff quickly as well in this environment is so important. I, I did, a, did a session the other day where somebody disagreed with me on this, which is probably why I asked the question. And I said, right, let me just download some CSV data from any old screen on Google Analytics and I'll show you it. And it's nice and clear, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, it's nice and clear. And I said, all right, let me change it slightly. And I used just on a Google sheet, just used a bit of conditional formatting to add some color scales down the columns to show the bigger numbers were darker and the smaller numbers were lighter. I'm like, well, look, at a glance now, you don't need to analyze it. All the numbers were there before, but color coding, you can see where it is. Or you mentioned a cohort analysis. Cohort in particular is just so clear. And it, I, I always believe the best kind of presentations and data will rarely have any bad questions off the back of them. People won't say, hang on a minute, what is this showing? It should always be a case of like, you know, say on PPC, those are our click costs over the year. They've gone up. And that sounds like a really bad thing until, right, next slide. Actually, they've gone up, but so have our conversion rates. We've been bidding more on Google and Facebook whatever, because we can justify with the data 
that actually it is delivering more revenue to our business. And so I think, again, having those things at your fingertips is so important. What, what sort of, I know I kind of asked this earlier, but it's a slightly different question. In terms of chart design, what are some of the most uh, popular charts you guys have on there? Are there any ones in particular you're like, this is just the absolute, you know, this is the uh, bullseye. Everybody loves this one. It's, it's absolutely perfect. Are there any in particular that, yeah, that just completely simplify actually quite a complicated bit of data? Well, what you said with the gradients of the colors, like we all have all of that, um, especially with the cohort analysis. So you can compare, let's talk about lifetime revenue of your customers. So the cohort analysis shows how many customers you acquired in each particular month and then the value of them over time as the months go on. But then the segmentation layer of it, which I had mentioned before. So let's say you want to be like everybody who purchased product B, everyone who purchased the hat, or let's say you have a hat and what what is the lifetime value of those customers? But to be, we have this view called single cohort where we pick one particular month. So let's say we look at December and everybody, and we see a list of all the products that they purchased and their lifetime value. I don't know if I explained that properly, but it's just a way to compare all of your segment values to one another across all these different cohort metrics in a very one-click view, which would take hours to compute because you have to do it for every, you know, break down all the different line items for everyone who purchased all XYZ products. So trying to simplify it that way. And we have a bunch of different ways to sort of compare segment values across heaps of different metrics, but then also across within the cohort view as well. Yeah, I think it's a really good example, actually, for more than one reason. And the one I'm going to pick actually is lifetime value as a statistic. Most store owners, e-com directors I speak to, don't fully understand the range of lifetime value. So like what's the kind of smallest lifetime value, which is that's the easier one, that's the single purchase. If you just buy one product, what's our average order value? And you're not probably not a million miles off. But actually lifetime value for any e-commerce store is so important, but I find so many stores fail to fully understand it. Lots of businesses we look at, bear in mind we do SEO and PPC, Lots of businesses we look at have started a business on Shopify. They've got some Google shopping running and that's driving some revenue. The problem is they're not then remarketing to customers. And I don't mean running remarketing ads specifically. They're just not getting that second order through social or email or or through just having a great product. So when it arrives, you think, oh my gosh, I love this. I'm going to buy this product again. I forget where. I think it might have been a Gartner report or Deloitte report, something like that. There was a survey of just thousands of consumers across multiple different countries. And it said, what would you rank as the number one reason that you buy a product from a company for a second time? So it doesn't have to be the same product, but what's the number one reason you go back to a company? And the options were things like offers and discounts. It's a great product. The marketing's phenomenal. It's the only option to buy from. I have a specific condition where I have to buy from that place. And the number one every time was it was a great product which is terrible news for all us marketeers out there. But the point being that lifetime value is based on somebody buying a product a second time. And it generally is the price of an email being sent to them, which might cost you $50 a month to send, I don't know, 100,000 emails to all your customers every single month featuring you know, different products. You can do it more frequently than that. You can change the way it's actually working, but the concept of, do you know what? If everybody bought five to 10 times from us, we would then have five or 10 sales per customer. So whatever our ROI is from all our campaigns that bring new customers in, you can times that revenue now by 10. 
And what I think I've, I've rarely ever seen, and it sounds like you guys have nailed this, is a single chart or a couple of charts to actually show this is lifetime value. And to then be able to dig down into what's causing this. Okay, email is the traffic source. So every time we send an email, we get repeat orders coming in. And I think understanding that and then being able to dig into which emails, which part of the email did they click on, which emails weren't as successful. It gives you the answer to then go and investigate the real thing. And that is how do we make our email better? Because it's clearly working. And I think, as I say, lifetime value is just, to me, is probably the, the most important statistic for a business once it's got some traction. Yep. Yep. And that's what most people gravitate to um, or they want to have the answer on. But then also breaking it down of what product did they first purchase? What discount code did they come in on? You know, if they read about you in a newsletter or you were sponsoring a newsletter and you had a code like September 2021 or back to school. And you can then see, oh, everybody that came in on back to school discount code, how much are they spending with us over time? So then what do we how do we go back to those customers and remarket to them, give them nudges to come back and buy more? We have over a hundred different metrics, but even within just the retention suite, you know, understanding the actual repurchase rate or the returning rate or the number of orders per customer. And when they come back is also helps you sort of break down and understand how do we continue to grow the lifetime value of those customers? Because we know these other behaviors or other ways to slice the whole retention and repurchase journey story. Um, and that's extremely interesting and very powerful. Yeah, definitely. I, I love the example you've just given of the, the newsletter sponsorship. I think if there's that famous saying from John Wanamaker many years ago, half my marketing budget's wasted. I just wish I knew which half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I've heard that a lot. I like that saying. That's funny. Yeah, it's just, I was just classic, isn't it? And I think it's, it's the same for most businesses. Like we were talking to completely unrelated to e-commerce. We had a call with a client this morning who's in lead generation. So there's a form on their website, people who are interested in their services, fill out the form, their sales team contact them back. Now we've been banging on at this client for probably the best part of two years to tell them we need a proper CRM system. It's not going to be expensive, but we just need to be able to be able to track which of our PPC campaigns, keywords, et cetera, actually making money. And not by volume of leads, but by which of those leads became customers and tracking that back to where they came from. And today the penny finally drops. And he said, oh, great, we should, we should definitely do that. How do we do it? And it's after two years of trying to get them to do this. <laughs> and when I explained that all we need is for you to pay 30 pounds to your CRM provider to unlock their analytics, and then we copy and paste the code onto every page of the site and it's done. I mean, I imagine you guys have got a Shopify plugin or Shopify app, sorry, that, that does essentially all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think being able to do that and then have all this data at your fingertips, I think is so important. How, how often do you think, and again, it's another, the answer is probably quite often, but how often do you find that businesses are looking at the wrong data? They're looking at stats that actually they're not going to push the needle, or even if they improve that statistic, it doesn't mean there's going to be any more revenue. I don't know. I think there's a, a, a people just it's so, so with data, with anything, it's information overload at times. So it's making sure people are looking at the, the right stats and making sense of them. So if depending on how they, you know, consume information, you know, some people can consume tons and tons of information and run from it, but some people need to sort of ease into it. There's there's, you could just start with a few and make sure you apply to the right one. So I don't know which ones they're looking at incorrectly. I don't have visibility onto that, but I would say like, if there's, how do I consume this different types of data? We have, you know, sort of scaffolded, not courses formally, but hey, just look at these and these are the things you can do. 
and this is how you can run with it. And then we can move on to the next level when you feel more comfortable type thing. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think I think it's certainly a good approach. Um, we Almost every brief we get in for SEO is, we want to be number one on Google. And we sort of say, maybe true, but actually you want more business. <laughs> that's, the, right. that's the reality here. So if we could get to number three for a super competitive keyword and you got loads of business out of that and meant that your business was now growing because you got better customers, better leads or whatever the thing is. And so I think that sometimes when you say that, it almost kind of catches people slightly off guard and they're like, oh yeah, we've been so obsessed with like, like for example, in SEO, a statistic is, uh, and it's made up, Google have said we don't have this as an actual stat, um, but domain authority, as SEM Rush mm-hmm. call it, or domain trust, as a few of our tools call it. And everybody looks at that and goes like, how much domain trust have we got out of 100? And it's a bit like, well, you could get to 100. And we, we have a call with a client today, which is like 80 out of 100, which in the SEO world is crazy high. But these guys got no traffic because they haven't done the other stuff. Right. And so again, I just, I just think making the point that you've got to look at the right statistics. Yeah, it's also like when you look at acquisitions. So yeah, you've acquired a bunch of customers, but you're spending loads and loads of money on them. So you're burning cash. And are these More than they're spending. Yeah, yeah, are they even, is this a good value? So we've seen, you know, people run experiments, again, back to the whole experiment thing. They might've had a crazy discount at one month, like one week in let's say March or something. And they discounted their stuff. And you see in their data, they acquired an insane amount of customers compared to other cohorts. But the lifetime value of those customers and the repurchase rate is nothing. Like they don't come back. They just came for that one hit thing. So they weren't actually good customers. And was this valuable to like the logistics hurdle that this probably caused with all the warehousing and shipments? But the lifetime value is so much less for that cohort of customers than other customers that wasn't worth it. So it's, you know, thinking about exactly like it's Mm. comparing, it's a balance, right? Absolutely. So you have to make sure you're doing the right things for growth and being strategic. We want to acquire really valuable customers. How do we do that? Not just any customers and discount them a bunch or offer insane discounts later on. And you can really see that when you look at discounts by cohort or refunds by cohort, because they're not valuable to your brand. I think that there's a really interesting point to make in that as well, that it really is about, it's about the right statistics for your business. Yeah. Because I'll give you an example of two different guests I had on the podcast over the last few months. One said that it took them the best part of a year to get their cost of free delivery. So spend this and get free delivery. It took them about a year to get that right. And the price they've now got it at has increased their average order value by about 30%, which is quite a lot to just boost yeah, average order value. That's great. And actually, it's, it means their free delivery part is now higher. So they've now got more people below that point paying for delivery anyway, which means they just in two different ways, they become more profitable. Now, another guest we had on, I said, kind of made the point, you teed them up for the same sort of thing and said, well, go on, tell me about average order value and how it impacts delivery costs and stuff. And they said, we tried every delivery cost under the sun, or sort of spend X to get free delivery. Mm -hmm. We tried every different layer of cost, making it super high, super low. Nothing changed conversion rate at all until we made it free. There was, there was literally no, there was no point. Yeah. We, we couldn't incentivize our customers to spend more to get free delivery. It just didn't work for us. But again, having the data at your fingertips to go, right, let's make that change, monitor it. Oh, conversion rates up three or 4% week on week, or it's gone up by 0.1% percentage points in the first day. Well, there's something in this, you know, this is going somewhere now. But I think at the same time, we, we make the point a lot in PPC that there is no minimum spend on Google necessarily, but you do need to spend enough. And we off, we try and find out what is the minimum 
we want you to spend to get enough data to make the sort of changes we'll need to to make these campaigns profitable. And that's part, I think, of the, the partnership, the trust that we try to build with clients. But then again, having the data to support, well, look, we've spent, you know, maybe $5,000, which sounds like a heck of a lot of money for a completely new channel you've never tried before. But if we detail in advance the learnings we want, and we're pretty sure at the end of those $5,000, we will have at least a break-even campaign, if not better, and we're starting to make a bit of profit, well, the $5,000 were an investment that you're going to get back very, very quickly if this then is to work. And if it doesn't work, it's $5,000 to answer a massive question of, are websites not ready for Google advertising? Which actually might save you a lot more in the long run if you're spending less per month or whatever. So again, I think with data, you need to get that minimum sample set, don't you, before you can really make any decisions. Yeah, exactly. And But we have that with the, you know, Peel analyzes your revenue data. So it's all of the orders that you're getting going through all of that. So there's still so much you can glean from that with the, the little behaviors of your customers that help you then build different experiments. But the AOV experiment that you just said and the delivery cost is an exact thing that user brands can do. But again, as you said, it's so specific to the actual brand that it's, if you can't pinpoint it as one thing. Another experiment or thing that you could identify is what the lifetime value or repurchase rate or slew of other metrics, AOV, is if you offer discounts or if you don't. Mm. So we create a cohort of customers of who, people who've used discounts or people who haven't used discounts. So you can quickly see the behaviors and then that can help you sort of define, is this going to be a part of our playbook and strategy that we're always going to have discounts because it leads to a higher value customer and they come back and purchase more and more? Or is it actually not valuable to our brand? So that question can be quickly answered, but it's so brand specific. Like I can't say that, you know, lifetime, you have to have a huge discount strategy in order to have high value customers. That's so not true. It so depends. Yeah. And I think with discounts as well, the more discounts you give, the harder it is to then not give discounts without seeing just a dramatic drop. Exactly. Because then people only expect that. Exactly. Yeah. And we all make jokes ourselves with like, you know, the high street stores of like, well, they're going to have 40% discount in two days again. So I'll just wait, you know, <laughs> so we don't want, you don't want for a small brand, you don't want to get into that habit. We've got so many sofa companies and it seems to be all furniture companies now that, and everybody's kind of cottoned on in the UK that they've just upped all their prices by like 50 or 60%. <laughs> and then they're like, this sofa is half price. And you're like, no, it's not. Yeah. It was cheaper than that before you put it on offer. And so yeah. trading standards, which is like the legal governing body for all advertising or whatever, and just general trade in the UK, uh, they and the Advertising Standards Authority, the two bodies have got together many years ago now and said to discount a product in the UK, it has to have been at full price for X amount of time which doesn't stop them just having it there at full price. But sometimes if something seems too good to be true, they will contact them and say, well, you know, when was it at full price? But you don't, you don't necessarily have to. You could just say, you know, this is a product's worth £100. We're going to sell it for 50 That's the value. But the, the, certainly the wording on it, they're quite specific. But also Google globally, they won't let you put a promotion on shopping for longer than a... I, th I think it has changed recently, actually. But certainly for many years, there were certain restrictions around how long something had to be discounted for and... But the, the phrase with all the discounts that I use quite a lot is just, it, it can become a race to the bottom. Of course. So like when we've been, when we've been looking for new clients at times, someone said, why don't we just half our fee and then loads of clients will come running. And it's always that thing of like, oh, you might not be wrong, but then if reputation gets out that we charge X amount a month, then it's like, well, everyone's going to expect that. And I think in the UK, the, the one which I'm sure they do in the US as well is Domino's Pizza. 
I can't remember the last time I paid full price for a Domino's pizza. Like it's literally half price on Tuesdays in the entire UK. <laughs> Plus, if you phone up any shop and say, what discounts have you got? They normally just go, oh, it's half price if you come and pick it up. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, great. Regardless of what, they have all these vouchers and promotions yeah. and TV. You just phone them up, like, what's your best discount? They say, it's always half price, mate. Just if you pick it up, it's half price. Just come get it. <laughs> all right, cool. I'll order this. Yeah, but they're a huge brand, you know? It's so it's like so interesting to compare. I walked by Domino's the other day and I was like, oh, it smells so good. That stuff, whatever. It, is, it, <laughs> it so does. Good. It does indeed, which is another good way of marketing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have a certain nose and smell. stomach. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool, cool. And then, last couple of questions then. So, you guys, obviously, you've got this data platform. How can people use it? Like, do you have a, a Shopify app? You just install that, set up a trial, yeah. get cracking? Or Yeah, we're on the Shopify app store. So you just search for Peel and you'll find us and you just click add app um, and that's it. That's the setup. You can add a few other data sources uh, with our other integrations to get more metrics added to the account. But the connection takes literally two clicks and then everything is downloaded and computed. And that was part of the value prop too when we were doing this is like, we can't have data engineers or super technical people having to set up all these crazy things. Like this needs to be quick and easy. And then within a few hours, we start downloading the data. And within a few hours, at least 12, the, uh, the analysis will be ready. Just depends on how many orders we have to process. And that's it. Amazing. And what are some of those other sources then that you guys can plug in? Oh, sure. So Google ads, Facebook ads, TikTok, recharge subscription payments, and Clavio. And we're working on a bunch more. A lot of our roadmap on the integration side is just building out our list of integrations with more other apps within the Shopify ecosystem. So you can really identify different opportunities with them. Cool. Cool. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs> good, good. Um, for anybody else listening, we, we spent sort of 15, 20 minutes just chatting about politics and vaccines and everything else at the beginning. So it was an instant kind of, okay, this is going to be fun. How... <laughs> How could people reach out to you guys? Like, is it best to go into the Shopify app store and download the app or um, it's best to go on the website? Like, what's, what's the best way to reach out if someone's got a question, wants to ask about more about the tool, that kind of thing? Either or. You can go to the Shopify app and connect and, you know, you get the chat button or you can go to peelinsights.com and just, we have a chat messenger and you can just chat in or you can email hello at peelinsights.com. I'm on the other end of that email. And yeah, you can find us and I'll chat back with you and happy to answer any questions, um, give you a demo, whatever you need. Awesome. Awesome. I think I certainly recommend the demo, um, especially if you're new to data and you're a bit like, okay, I like running my business. I love my products. My customers are cool, but data just gives me a migraine. Yeah. Highly recommend getting a demo. And then these guys can show you around, you know, this is what this means. This is what this does, et cetera. Everything you need. And then you just click those buttons and you're set up. And you've got that data at your fingertips. So, yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you. Thank you. Thanks. Cool. And for everybody else listening, we're back again next week, posting every Friday. As I say that, there's a slight nudge in my mind that there's a couple of guests I need to email and just reach out to just to confirm recordings. But yeah, all being well, we'll be back next Friday. Apologies for missing um, a couple of weeks over the last few months. And again, just to flag, if you, if you want to see any episodes about anything, if you've got any specific problems or you see something changing in the industry and think, right, we're going to really challenge Nick and do an episode on this, feel free to send me a message. Also, if you want to hear about attribution, attribution is the one thing that I've been mentioning for probably about a year and nearly a half now on the podcast about avoiding so if enough of you message us about that then i may i may bite the bullet and do an episode but thanks for joining us back again next week hope you're staying safe and take care mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.